hello and welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Crisis Podcast. I'm Demi and this week we are discussing the addictive loop that is personal development, how the perfection of it can often let us down. Taking accountability for our own actions and in turn taking charge of our lives. This week's guest truly embodies a millennial slashy. He has graced multiple careers from marketing to programming, creates video content on TikTok and recently quit his job to start his own business. This conversation is raw and a really honest discussion as always on this podcast. So without me yapping on too much, let's jump straight into episode 46 of the podcast, How Personal Development Lets Us Down with Khan Shadid. Khan, thank you so much for joining me today on the Millennial Crisis podcast. I'm I need to think of another word to say than excited because I say that every single podcast <laughs> to the guests, but I'm thrilled to have you on today. Thank yeah. you for joining oh, me I like from, <laughs> yeah, where, where, where are you joining me from at the moment? I live in uh, Fresno, California, which is uh, central California. So basically I'm sandwiched between two really cool world-renowned cities, San Francisco and LA. So we're like, our vibe is kind of like something in the middle, like a little bit of both. It sounds like a perfect spot to be in. You get a bit of quiet and also get to jump into the city life when you like. Like the perfect description of Fresno. (laughs) Questions are, what is your name, age, and what do you do or what are you known for? Well, my name is Khandakar Shadid. Uh, I go by Khan, which is a story in itself. I'm... 31 going to be 32 genuinely forgot my age for a second (laughs) after 21 we all forget (laughs) i don't know if i'm really known for anything believe it or not despite showering in front of people for days at a time i'm actually a very private person uh always kind of have been like i'm not super active on social media before people start thinking, did Demi find him on OnlyFans? What do you mean she, he's showering in front of people? Um, <laughs> I think we should clarify what we mean for those who don't know who you are. What yeah. do you mean by uh, showering in front of what is hundreds of thousands of people now that have seen that video of million. you? Over, a million. Is it? over a million of people have watched Yeah. Oh my God, that is insane. I try not to think about it at all. Like um, I just, whenever I have to shoot those segments, I just kind of do it and get through it. What I mean by like a a million people have watched me shower as part, I do a challenge every year that's usually private, much, much, much more private than this. (laughs) Like at most I'll post like my goals on Facebook and just kind of post like a text progress report um this year and every year I try to make it as absolutely difficult as possible like because I'm uh it'll make sense when we talk about my career and stuff um but as part of my that my TikTok videos which I started doing this year because um I'm not active on social media I do have one of my central message of my channel is that self-improvement personal development, any sort of growth should be a path towards community. So that was why I started sharing it on TikTok. 
And I, when I started thinking about, okay, like what is the most authentic, vulnerable way I can kind of show people that like, hey, this is this journey, these self-improvement journeys don't really need to look extraordinary. It doesn't need dynamic shots. It doesn't need great lighting. So I own like lights and everything like that and uh, microphones. And I choose not to use it because I really do want to present like the authentic version of like what self-improvement has looked in my life. And even my voice, like uh, I'm a smoker. It affects how my voice sounds. I've gone long periods without smoking. And I didn't want to use a mic to take away from that. So just showing, uh, I believe it's a rated G uh, shower sequence every uh, video. I wanted, I know when we talk about body positivity, typically and rightfully so, it's uh, most often is about women. For guys, whether it's like feeling sexy or feeling attractive, I don't know. I didn't really see a ton of content like that uh, when I was growing up. I definitely had a lot of lot of Im image issues growing up as an immigrant from uh, Bangladesh and moving to Fresno and assimilating, basically. So I wanted to show that it doesn't matter that you're scrawny <laughs> and it doesn't really matter where you're starting. What matters is you start and you just keep going. The way I found you and the way we got connected was through TikTok. I saw yes. your TikTok and I thought this is exactly the kind of stuff that I'm doing and, and the same similar kind of messaging in a different yeah. way of that thing. It's that the personal yeah. development industry sometimes can be so glitz and glam. And yeah. one of the my biggest pet peeves online is that there's no kind of transparency of what the reality of yeah, things are. Everything is edited. Exactly. And even the stuff <laughs> that we create, it's still like, do you ever struggle with, I remember when I first started the podcast and it was a little more, little yeah. bit more documentation at that um, in season one. And I remember thinking like, I can't just post like 12 episodes of me speaking mindlessly. Like I have to, edit it so people actually listen so in yeah. order to get a message across there has to be some kind of editing or some kind of exactly structure to yeah. things so that it doesn't mean that there's still not that work but I used to struggle all the time being like that means it's not authentic that means it's not authentic yeah, I was like, no, yeah, no, no. Yeah. it's no, yeah it's still is. yeah so I, do you ever struggle like that I do I was a marketing manager commercial finance but for me, with my content, it was always about how can I make this anti as anti-marketing as possible? Because <laughs> I think one of the unspoken things, obstacles, hurdles, struggles that anyone is that is trying to improve themselves is going to face is marketers. Marketers are literally going to be one of your most persistent and resilient adversaries mm. they will from social media from instagram to tiktok to snapchat they're self especially there are people who are you know marketing uh self-improvement stuff courses whatnot um they're it's designed it's designed to be so goal-oriented it's so designed to be uh just kind of uh it's so 
one, it's relentless. Like social media is 24 seven. And then there's tactics like batching and things like that, that con marketers use to create large amounts of content. So basically how you end up is maybe you want to lose some weight and there is a hundred thousand marketers telling you a hundred thousand different things about how to do it from like six pack workouts, which are just kind of a waste of time. In my opinion, six packs are like the most overrated waste of time in fucking his, I'm sorry, in history. No, just you can because... swear. This is, this is swear. Friendly. Yeah. Thank so <laughs> feel free to if you're a guy and you have like any trace amounts of like body insecurity you're going to get targeted with six-pack ab content and with uh and this is kind of dipping into uh, my programming background and just understanding social media on like a much more fundamental level like mm -hmm. in uh, when i was in business school my senior project was a social media platform and I actually built it from scratch. Like I, just, I wrote the algorithm, did all of that. And I understood very, I had a very clear understanding that like you have, you can't win. If you're like super active on social media and you're super intended, intent on absorbing as much as you can from influencers and whatnot, you are basically developing kind of like an addiction to information. We don't really talk about information overload. And that problem has come up professionally in a lot of different, almost every industry. For programming, it's called tutorial hell, where you just do one tutorial after another, and it feels like you're doing something. It kind of, you get to into this mindset, like, well, some of it has got to become permanent and it's got to mm -hmm. stick. And yeah, it's true, but you are much, you're going to grow much faster if you take on a challenge without a tutorial and figure it out, then have someone who does know what they're doing, look at that work. Um, you have, you really learning, I do think should be approached from the same way athletes train. You need a coach, you need a regiment, you need repetition, you need cons consistency and practice. And it has to be like a really meaningful practice. Like you have to care about improving from day to day. And that's a, like a 2000 year old formula for learning. It's not something even psychology has like really been able to like de debunk. There isn't a educator or therapist or anyone that's going to rail against practice and consistency unless it's for like a destructive or unhelpful habit. And that I feel like gets buried in, in terms of uh, self-help and self-improvement content that you need to go towards the things that struggle, yeah. that bring a struggle into your life because most things, like this is how I think about it. The road that's easy to travel is rarely going to show you memorable things. You're rarely going to have memorable experiences. But if you pick something that scares you a little bit, yeah. puts you out of that, takes you out of your comfort zone, you start really challenging and evaluating what's familiar to you. And a lot of growth and improvement comes from challenging your sense of familiar. In programming, we, we call that challenging your assumptions like 
explain why it's right, not why you think it's right. Because yeah. programmers are, I mean, pro, I mean, computers are wildly uncooperative, but they're super helpful at the same time because it can only do what you tell it to do. So if you're, if it's not doing something, you're, you're something that you're telling it to do. The problem is between the monitor and the keyboard. Like if you can't really like evaluate your own logic, your own assumptions, it becomes a job you really can't do, you know? Being wrong is a huge part of becoming a programmer. You've touched on some great points there. The, the first thing is like, it's so interesting that all of, one thing that all of my guests have in common is that they're constantly doing something that is difficult or difficult in the beginning. Yeah. Like you said, taking, either taking the road less travel or taking the road of least resistance, like is a big yeah. thing. I think once you do something that is difficult yeah. and you push through the kind of hump, you yeah. realize how important it is to do. And then it's yeah. just about building that muscle, right? But Absolutely. back to your original um, point about mm-hmm. the information overload kind of aspect, it's something that I touch on a lot with the the whole millennial crisis brand and it's the thing that kind of sets us apart as millennials as a generation in general because I think one like the fact that levels of anxiety and and things like that have increased so much is because we are overwhelmed because there's so much to be overwhelmed about now we don't just get the news in our area we get global news and people are fighting for us to care about every single global piece of news that there is and to care and to contribute in our own way or same with selling us stuff. Like everyone is telling us that this piece of clothing or this computer or these headphones are going to change our life. And we don't know what to choose. So that information overload, that information fatigue, that decision fatigue is like fucking with us, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I mean, if you're already in like a, stressful life situation like let's say you're new in your career and your full focus is just like adjusting to the job and the lifestyle let's say you move to a new city for the job or whatever and if you also are like very invested in like the self-improvement community you're basically working two jobs and it shouldn't be a job if it Mm. I think uh, Jocko Wilnick uh, said this about discipline it might be Tim Ferriss too uh, one or the other or maybe neither but if dif- if discipline is hard you're doing it wrong I think that is something in terms of information overload that gets buried Infer- like that strategy um, there is just so much information that's hurled at us we lose sight of the fact that how much just like the ordinary things that we have that we have inherited that people have built empires with like most of the successful people in empire didn't have a tenth of the information that a 16 year old has now the tools are inside of you i promise you they are mm. the there we may understand but have a big develop a better understanding of those tools like we understand diet a lot better now we understand training a lot better now and learning a lot better now, but the human body hasn't changed that much. Mm. It really, truly hasn't. And there is just as much good information 
looking at listening to a philosopher from 2000 years ago as it is to listening to someone who I don't know just pitching the latest research in uh, fitness or mental health or whatever yeah. like oh and this is a this is how you know you ha- you have trauma I was like who are you to tell me this <laughs> you know yeah um, I, I, that's a that's a really great point because I think what what you've touched on there is one the fact that like I love that you said you've got the tools in, yeah, inside, inside of, of you, you because even like all of the things that gurus are saying now it's the same stuff that has been around for centuries just yeah. in a new way and related in a new way like basic principles all that all this new kind of research that comes out it's like essentially majority of it is going back to basics journaling yeah. not consuming so much switching off yeah. like all of that kind of stuff which is yeah. really interesting but because we're fed constantly that we need more and more and more yeah we're confused at why we've got so much we're so privileged we have so much opportunity but we're miserable yeah and it's the consumption overtaking action that's the really kind of important part there isn't it and I mean I think with the culture of like self-improvement in relation to information overload I think the most harmful fact that is like it's just not talked about. Mm. We remember emotions more than we remember facts. Emotions are how we remember, hey, we shouldn't go there. Or yeah, we should go towards that. Just the act of remembering mutates your memory. The gaps that form from just over time, they get filled in by basically our imagination. I think people also feel alone in the feeling sometimes is that they're struggling or they're consuming all of this stuff and then people have this thought that well why aren't I taking action you know everyone else seems to be able to do it but I'm just constantly consuming and spitting out this information but what do I have to show for it and then it becomes that kind of mental taunt of like uh, which is which is one of my kind of gripes with the with the personal development and that like motivational stuff is that we get all of this information, but where are the actionable steps for you to take it? And if you're consuming so much, there is no way it's possible for you to be doing everything they say. And also everybody is totally different. So one thing that works for this guru isn't going to work for you. And when we get stuck in that consumption mode of listening to podcast after podcast or watching video after video or reading book Mm -hmm. after book, Mm -hmm. we get stuck in that cycle. And to break that cycle, it's, it's a difficult thing. And the most important part is to start with the tiniest step. Yeah. That was like fundamentally what I learned from like tutoring kids in math what um you you have to start where the kid is at you know like you have to start where they're weak like even if it's like absurd to you like oh how do you not know what a square root is um but they don't what are you gonna do judge us judge an elementary school kid for not understanding something that i don't i'm not sure all adults can explain like why a square root works and you do have to approach it with a level of full of compassion towards like where they are yeah and it does take compassion to accept like yeah this is where I'm starting and one thing I've learned from that experience is you have to kind of accept 
the things you had to do to survive, basically. Mm. In the beginning, you have to start slow and small. Once again, challenge your assumptions. Like you think one of the fundamental things that my therapist did to like break me out of that cycle of just like, if I can learn enough, I can solve anything is that if you pretend to know, you can't learn. If you're committed to the fact that like just learning self-improvement, watching endless amounts of like self-improvement videos, emulating others. Emulating is great, actually. I do, I'm a big proponent of emulating. If you try to copy people to have their life, that, um, is, that is something I'm very anti because I've very rarely seen it work in a way that seems to make people really happy. Mm-hmm. You, know? you have to start slow and you have to start small. And you can't assume that you know you're, the path that you're on is the right path the more you attach you are to the idea of right and wrong especially when it comes to your path or whatever the more you're going to invest in absolute thinking the more you're going to be having thoughts like this i should be doing this why am i aren't i doing that or that's where a lot of the sort your source of negative thoughts are going to be things become like dichotomous where it's just like if I was this, then I would be doing this. I'm not doing this. So I, therefore, I can't, I'm not this. Yeah. You stay in that state long enough to start developing, like familiarity is better than trying and bringing change into your life. The biggest kind of comforting thing that I learned over the past couple of years is that first off, I don't know anything. Starting with that and being like, Good, I right. am okay to learn yeah everything and start from scratch and to not I guess to be the dumb person in the room to ask those questions even if they seem like everyone else knows them I always say like the person who's asking the dumbest question is the smartest person and then the second part is knowing that even if something seems absolute in the moment you're likely going to change your mind as you grow. Uh, And it's something I try and stress in the podcast all the time. It's like, okay, I don't want to do this right now. And I think that I really want to do this. But in five years, that's likely going to change because I'm going to change and the world is going to change and that's okay. And if 2020 taught us anything. Technology is going to change. Yeah, yeah, sometimes it's us. Sometimes it's external factors. Sometimes it's technology. You know, we don't know what that's going to be. And so. Change um, is what's constant. Familiarity is temporary. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Um, um, Yeah, so I, I, I I have a question for you and when uh, because I I think that small steps thing is is something that's that's super important and for me the smallest step that kind of got me doing was clearing out my car every day after work it was like a small challenge I had set for myself and oh my god that's great I need I should do that yeah it was like I I chronically have a messy car yeah Yeah. it, it was one day I was like I need to like make a change and the small change was every night after work I had to bring home everything and because it was a promise to myself and it seemed really easy yeah I I started doing it. And from there, I began to create small challenges in my life. And it turned into like working at like a whole bunch of different things. And now it's like the best thing I ever 
do. And if I ever lose track, I go back to the smallest thing that seems ridiculously easy because that validation you get from fulfilling something that you've promised to yourself and nobody else is excited for nobody else is congratulating you about nobody else reaps any rewards starts to build that trust in yourself yeah that's the most important thing that you can have and so I wonder was there any one thing tiny small step that you had taken that eventually after years led you to do bigger challenges like the 100 day challenge oh okay Writing, yeah, journaling, hundred percent. I love that. I've been writing for an hour since I was about ten an years hour. old. Yeah, before Whoa. that's how I fall asleep. I recently started using an iPad to do it, like before I sleep, and I hate it. So I'm actually switching back to like the, <laughs> and I, and this has happened before throughout my life. Like I've tried, you know, journaling in a laptop on a app, blah blah blah. For me, it's the relationship hand holding pen, moving the act of it. To me, that's like a lot more, I don't know. I just think a lot more clearer. So like writing, journaling by hand is how it would be it for me. And eventually I created um, a journaling system for myself um, because I like, I really like labeling things. Um, I call it the 5% better journal. So you write down, I write down one thing that can, uh, that would genuinely help someone make their life better. Saves them time, saves them energy, saves them stress, something. It has to be a measurable difference. Um, Then you write down one thing you learn from just being challenged. Uh, For me, what was today? Uh, Today was... uh, well, it was like back. Yeah, it was a. It was like something that happened while I was backpacking with my uh, friend earlier this year. And uh, the third thing is you write you write down something you learn from someone more than you. Uh, and finally, you write down something that you know your tasks for the day. No more than four or five for me. And finally, at the end of the night, you write down what is something you can do to make tomorrow better. And I try not to live too far beyond today and the next morning. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's awesome. And I always set a challenge for yeah. um, people at the end of each podcast episode. So we yeah. will revisit that at the end because I think that's an awesome challenge to set everyone yeah. for the week so they yeah. can start doing one small thing and even if it's answering just one of those questions that you have to start off but yeah that's an that's an awesome practice to have and i mean it's i think forcing it to be like half a percent better like focusing just on that um it forces me to think small which is like the impulse uh i i don't like that impulse like i like thinking big i like using my imagination so it it forces me to like this okay if I can drink a gallon of water or no, like a liter of water today, that's a 5% better from today, uh, tomorrow. Sorry. If I can drink a, a liter of water tomorrow, that's better than today because all I've had today is three cups of coffee. Mm. So um, and it forces wonder, you to be small. I wonder, is that what got you out of that personal development consumption mode or was that during that time and you still had to ease out in another way 
was that like something that came from that or was that something that your therapist had mentioned for you to do or no um by the time I went into therapy like on paper I was completely successful Mm. parents not worried about me everyone kind of good career-wise but three things kind of simultaneously happened one a friend of mine committed suicide and two at that time I was still a marketing manager and I was reading a, a white paper on Upworthy on how they used uh how they basically test their videos using email to before they do like a larger campaign on social media to like maximize reach and you know get the get more bang for their buck mm-hmm. and I was uh, thinking about my own job from the lens of uh, programming because by that time like I said I started programming in business school just to have an edge over every other business major because I was the only business major who could write SQL code and do developer side programming and everything combined with all three it just became I started seeing self-improvement as a form of drug um, I've had experiences with substances and alcohol and stuff, like not directly issues, but well familiar with them. And um, I saw, I, I remembered this, uh, this thing that all old hippie potheads say, where it's just like, weed is so different from what it used to be. Like now it's just like crazy or blow your mind. Cause it's been just uh, the strains have been maximized for potency. And that's how I started looking at everything from Upworthy or like Movie Pilot or BuzzFeed, which sites at that time were like dominating social media. And I could kind of just see where the technology and marketing kind of blended into this system that was just obsessed with evoking emotions and capitalizing on that and not really caring about what happened afterwards mm-hmm. it's just uh what's the next emotion i can sell to you you know and in that state <clears throat> um i was just uh i didn't uh it's just something i couldn't do anymore like i just did i after that i just completely withdrew from social media And I wouldn't go back on for like a long time. But at the same time, I had been like just so obsessed with like productivity, efficiency, like the Tim Ferriss lifestyle, blah, blah, blah. Like, because that's in my mind, um, that was my vision of success. I didn't really have a framework of just coping. And that's, I think, is one of the most harmful things about the self-improvement community and is that they I think sometimes that culture and just the frequency of content creates becomes like a natural barrier against developing like coping mechanism like challenging your assumptions challenging your rationality because if and a piece of advice and I, I see this again and again with my own content if a piece of advice evokes a feeling it's going to feel true. Mm. If it evokes a strong enough feeling, it's going to be true, feel true, and you're going to remember it as true. 
because we remember emotions more than facts. And my friend who had passed away, she had kind of been like just as much uh, committed to like self-improvement. And I really had to contend with the fact that her uh, not being uh, with us anymore was an act of burning out. Once again, um, perfectly successful on paper and perfectly successful in career, even in terms of like doing good in the world. Like she was, uh, she was in Chile at the time, like helping and things like that. Basically I was 24 with a really good resume, uh, seemingly on a good track record with zero, suddenly with zero coping methods, unable to trust my own brain and now going into computer science, uh, back to school for computer science, which is where none of the things I learned in business were of any help, including the academic skills to study for it. And I started my semesters with two Ds in which I'd never really gotten. And everything like really seemed like, and I was back at like a very, aspirational stage where I had to start I felt like I had to start over the from the place I was when I was like 18 when I started mm-hmm. college reinforced by the fact that I was 24 sitting with 19 year olds some of whom who had a better grasp of computer science feeling envious of them because they had discovered it when they were f- fucking 13 and had been grinding at it for a long time it pushed me pretty close to the edge like that's kind of pushed me to the point where I was just like I don't want to live like this anymore honestly like I don't care how successful I am I don't care about the money none of it's making me happy just there's nothing in my life that is like making me happy then I went up a hill to just kind of put it into it all and something happened within me like just taking the hill probably being wildly out of shape and just struggling so hard to get up that hill that once I got up there, I was just like, yes, you know? And that's kind of the point where I really made a decision for myself that I would do whatever it takes, whatever I had to give up, whoever I had to give up, I was going to do, but I was going to find a way to live. And that forced me to really focus on the ordinary like living on a fundamental level like i had to i i would will myself to eat even though i didn't feel like it i would will myself to get up even though i didn't feel like it i would do my homework no matter how dumb it made me feel i think we kind of um, strayed from your question uh, what was no, it no no that's that's perfect that it was yeah no it was it was what was that kind of switch for you that that got you taking yeah. action versus sitting in that consumption yeah mode. it's that age right that a lot of people feel as though they're not happy in in what they're doing or yeah. they've found something wrong in what they're doing because doing is different than the theory stuff like you could love yeah. studying marketing and then start doing it and realize oh shit um in the context that i'm doing it now i'm manipulating people you yeah. know and i yeah. know that cannot sit well with a, with a lot of marketers it, it depending on again there's a lot of depending areas. on what industry you in. exactly um, yeah a lot of the sure. issues were also rooted in like working in commercial finance um, yeah. 
So, uh, I mean, I do think like marketing is like a great field to be in and I've met yeah. great marketers and honestly being, being a person is influencing people and being influenced. So it's not like they're doing anything wrong, but 100%. yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 tot- I totally understand. And first off taking that step to say, this isn't for me, I'm going to go back to school at 24 is like the biggest decision ever right I'm sure like hearing it now it's like oh it wasn't that bad but at the time like going into a class like you said with 19 year olds and accepting that you're gonna relearn something and there was one thing you said about being envious of them that they had figured out what it was at 13 is like that was one of my biggest struggles at when I started the podcast was like speaking to people who knew what their passion were, were were pursuing it relentlessly. And all I wanted was something that I could pursue relentlessly. And what, what you forget about that part is that 10 years down the track, that might change for them or every yeah. day doesn't look like that passion sunshine and roses thing there are times and aspects of yeah. the passion that they have that aren't true but they're not the stories that we get told yeah. to go back to uh what you were saying about like 13 year olds figuring out what they <laughs> what what they do uh, robert green talks about this in his book uh, mastery I do you believe that everyone has kind of like a life task like something they're naturally inclined to do. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, it's basically to build shit and help people. It's no more complicated than that. If I'm doing that, I'm living my best life. As far as like other people in my life and my computer science professor, William Kearney, meeting him changed my life. Like it really, not only was he just like one of the, probably one of the best programmers in the nation, he was an accomplished martial artist. He was a violinist. He was uh, well-traveled. He could speak Japanese. Literally everything that you could see as, uh, imagine as someone who's like borderline superhuman, he was. And I think seeing that gave me a tremendous amount of hope about what you can be. Like, And that's when I had to really dig into my own habits and start looking at like I need like good teachers I needed to find people like this guy that I was learning programming from and that changed everything that brought finding good teachers having a higher standard for the kind of teachers I needed to learn the things that I needed without that I would never have gone and without the influence of my friend Jocelyn who is a therapist I would have never gotten therapy life would have been entirely different not sure if I would be alive. To that point about seeking out people, like seeking out people that you know are going to help you or you know you can learn from, because, again, some of us get lucky and we already have them in our lives. And sometimes, again, I think, like, I believe, like, different people are in your life for different reasons, right? Some people shouldn't be. But, like, again, like, my parents can support me in one way, but yeah. when it comes to career stuff, that's something that they have no idea yeah. about. And, yeah. and that's fine. I, that just means that I have to go out and seek yeah. 
those people. And it's not an easy thing. When you are looking for mentors, when you are looking for new friendships, when you are looking for new connections or people to have in your network, it's a very one daunting and two difficult task. And you're going to go through a lot of people that you don't gel with or resonate with. And that's okay. And you're likely going to have a lot of awkward experiences and feel uncomfortable so I'd love to talk a little bit about that because I think this is one struggle that so many people have is that I want to find these people I want to find my people but I don't know where to start and also I'm really fucking scared (laughs) so I wonder do you have any advice or perspective on on how you kind of push through that discomfort Whenever it comes to like people or mentors or teachers or books or authors, I try to focus on how can it, how will this shape my reality? The common traits that I look for is one in whatever they do, they have to have skin in the game. Like they, they can't be someone who's talking about it. They have to be someone doing it. Mm. That's number one. If they can't show you their process, they were, they're not worth listening to. And I know that's not always possible, but you, ha- you should seek that out as often as possible. And the best way to do that is not do it online. Learn to meet, look for mentors in real life. People you can sit down and have coffee with for 45 minutes. You have to seek out teachers who are going to put, send you out on a mission. And when you look at it through that man lens, it becomes actually a lot more people. Like my friend Michael taught me everything I know about backpacking and as well as photography. Although there's been people like Robert Greene and Tim Ferriss who've like influenced my decision. Once the work actually began, it stops being about them and it starts being about the people who are actually present. So you do have to find people who have either a reason or strong willingness to be present in your life and in your progress and in your process. In order to find new people to teach you, in order to be able to have these conversations, there's kind of two things that you can do. Like the first one is being like being willing to be the dumb person in the room and asking questions because one asking questions reaching out asking for help it as it feeds that person in some way or another because they're willing to help and the right people the people who you want to learn from are the ones that want to give so they're the real people that you'd really like to and the second yeah i absolutely agree like if you pretend to know you can't you can't learn but i think it is also important to remember that if you're coming to someone and asking the same question again and again, the problem is you. Yeah. And secondly, no, there's no avoiding. Yeah. It. Yeah. 100%. Which brings me to the second element of things, which is to get to that small challenges thing and to constantly push yourself and create like play life as a game sometimes if that forces you to take action so whether that's challenging yourself to say hi to someone at a bus stop or to send a message to someone that you think you won't reply like doing those little things to get used to the discomfort is so important in being able to expand your circle and to get to places that you really want to be exactly yeah don't go out in the world expecting people mentors in particular 
just have a lot of time for you. Yeah. And that ideal mentorship means like an email that they can quickly reply to. With a direct Uh, question, like not a fluff. Yeah, Yeah. do not come in like, hey, yeah, maybe he'll sit down with me and we'll just like space out and talk about career and life, my dreams. Those people very rarely exist. And those and of those people, very few of them can actually help you. Yeah. Towards the end now, but I have one question before I dive into my final questions of the podcast. And yeah, that question is, if there is someone who is kind of stuck in that consumption mode right now and is really fearful to take action usually because they're scared of failure or what people are going to think of them yeah. or all of those other things that haunt us all uh, in some capacity what would be your biggest piece of advice to them to kind of get them started I mean the only advice I can give you is like give someone is uh what I did but I don't know how uh, how many people are going to be willing to do this but here we go <laughs> give up tv and social media for a year Jesus Christ <laughs> It's your life, right? What's one year if you're going to live to 60? Yeah. You, I guarantee you that if you can do that, you're going to become a different person, especially in the culture where we live in. You're going to be much better at controlling your responses. And the most important thing it's going to do is taught me to not approach life as a story. And when you stop doing that, you start looking for triggers and measuring your responses. When you're hungry, do you eat or do you have a cigarette? When you're tired, when you're relaxed, when you're, when you're tired and you feel overwhelmed, do you smoke weed or do you go get some rest? What it does, you, it does is force you to be bored. And that is the one thing you can do that is guaranteed to make your brain marketing proof. Stop thinking of your life as a story. They can't reach you if they can't get to you. Books are still a thing if you're still interested in like growing in that direction. Highly recommend it. You are going to be forced to find your entertainment by actually leaving your house, being around where other people are. Other people are the only thing that are that I've found to be an adequate substitute for TV other people's human drama, real drama, the way someone actually vocalizes it and tells it to you. It's, you don't have to think of your life as this ungodly long narrative that you have to keep for, keep going for like 60 seasons. That's overwhelming. That's a soap. If you or something that I found really helpful during this process is to like look into the lives of soap opera writers Like they have to create storylines every day. Mm. Look at the methods that they use to do that. And you will see how many of those same writing tactics you use inside your own brain against yourself. Mm. Yeah, for sure. When if it's like relationships or what friendships are supposed to look like, how you're supposed to meet people, how your career is supposed to go. It's, it's, this is from someone who's, Yeah, exactly. And this is from someone who admittedly has tried very hard to be Batman-esque and is not stopping this quest. (laughs) Um, But give up social media, give up 
just TV for one year. 75 hard is a joke in comparison to that. Yeah, I I love it. And maybe for anyone who wants to test it out to do it, to do it for a week. I think yeah. that's, that's definitely something that is achievable for everyone is just to get rid of it for a week and just have a taste yeah. of what it is doing to your mind and things like that. Um, that's definitely a great challenge to set. So we're on to the end of the podcast and I've got yeah. three questions that I ask all of my guests at the end of um, our conversations. And the first question yeah. I have for you, which we kind of touched on, it's what is the first small step you took to get to where you are right now? Journaling is one. The other one is when you get up in the morning, do 20 to 40 reps of something that's your workout for the day like that's your definition of a workout and you'll never miss a workout the rest of your life i i love that like, that's yeah don't think of it as like you know bulking up or shredding or losing weight my job is to do 40 reps of something every day yeah and that's my workout everyone else that's awesome <laughs> yeah does. i used to do i used to do well i still do um it's three songs so i just have oh. to move for three songs i do that i yeah. do that that's my morning workout that's how i get i get started that's awesome yeah it's it, it was the best thing and the only thing that i ca- have kept like i've been doing it since 2018 now and it's been like the best and longest yeah. thing I've ever kept and kept me in shape the longest. Yeah. I'd recommend anyone to the reps thing is good. I like that yeah. as well. Cause all you need is just a bit of a like jump start to your day and it, it kind of yeah. gets the ball rolling for everything and something like, to honest, make sure yeah. you do. Yeah. Honestly, like if you're working like a desk job or whatever, like 45 minute walk, few, a few push ups, few squats. Yeah. That's really, our lives aren't that hard. Yeah. Yeah, our insecurities sure. may be great, but our lives are <laughs> Yeah, for sure. The next question I have for you is what is your biggest millennial crisis right now? And what I define as a millennial crisis is a privilege problem that consciously or subconsciously affects your mental health or well-being. Maybe this is a good thing, but I'm pretty wildly happy in my life right now. Um, so it's hard to define a crisis, but the, something I find myself... Um, asking myself again and again is um is the content i'm creating would it have helped me when i was 10 years old like Mm. that was that's literally 10 and 23 ish those were the two most difficult periods of my life now suddenly i feel like i'm in the self-improvement industry and i part of me really doesn't like it so i find myself asking that a lot like are you putting out content that you really needed to hear? So I don't know if this qualifies as like a existential no, crisis, for sure. millennial crisis, but that, yeah, it's just like, I, I just, I want to do right by my followers and I'm constantly be worried that I'm not because I could just, could have just so easily have been one of them in the, in those periods of my life. Yeah, no, no, that's a, that's a perfect millennial crisis. And, and then the final question I have for you is what the, what is one thing you still want to explore or are curious about? Oh man, that's a really long list. I know you have to just choose one. I would love to make this my next year's goal, but salsa dancing. I love that. I want to get that down to like, just like any, just like beat comes on, know what to do. Partner, no partner, just can go with it. 
Uh, I was taking a class last year and I was planning on continuing on that this year, but thanks pandemic. <laughs> no, that's sick. I love yeah. that. Um, great answer. Well, thank you so much for, for joining me and, and having such an open and honest chat today. I think everyone listening would have grabbed some, some amazing gems and just felt a little less alone in, in their experiences and realized that, oh, everyone faces these kinds of issues and nobody <laughs> yeah. is superhuman in any way. And we're all on different parts of some kind of kind of journey. And um, it's okay to be the dumbest person in the room, right? And ask those questions. I, mean, I uh, love how you phrase that because like in the entrepreneur, Fresno State Entrepreneurship Department, like that is something they drill into you. Like as an entrepreneur, you should be the dumbest person on your team. Like you should always have people smarter than you around you. And I find that that's a really good way to approach life as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. If people want to follow you and if they haven't come here from TikTok, where is the best place for them to connect with you or see what you have going on? The best paid place would be TikTok. It handle is Contra, my name plus T-R-A. No, that's awesome. And all of Khan's links will be in the show notes as well. Thank you Thank again, you. Khan, for coming on. It's been an awesome chat. And I wish you luck on your next challenge, which is a 75 day hard challenge or something. 75 just- hard. 75 hard um which yeah. i'm sure you're tracking already on on tiktok i just haven't been on tiktok in a while so hey good for you <laughs> yeah right well enjoy the rest of your day thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoyed that episode just as much as i enjoyed interviewing khan if you haven't already checked out his tiktok go and follow him over there he has some incredible content there that is just as raw and open as our discussion that we had if you liked this episode and have done the challenge please be sure to message me on instagram at the millennial crisis or message khan and let him know what your experience was If you'd like to support the podcast and help us continue to get amazing guests on, if you haven't already done so, please give us a rating and leave a comment on what you thought or share this to your socials to spread the conversation further. Thank you again for listening and I can't wait to bring you next week's episode. Bye-bye.